Hello, hello. Welcome back to the business of fitness. I'm Molly Herford. And today I'm actually joined by the Women's Performance Podcast actual host, Sarah Gross, back from vacation, looking well-rested like every woman in the fitness business industry should look. Uh, Sarah, how's it going? Great. Well, I'm especially good after that compliment. I, just, I knew, I knew <laughs> I'm in my mid forties now. So there's a, it's kind of rare for me to look in the mirror and say, I look well rested. <laughs> so I will take that compliment. Thank you. And you know what? I feel like that's a goal that uh, I've actually been asking a lot of the women that we've had on the business of fitness about, which is, you know, how do you manage the, the fitness industry? I feel like you can easily work, you know, hundred hour weeks because it's this weird blend of like, we do it for the love of it, but also we're trying to make a living doing it. And that kind of combination tends to culminate in a lot of like burnout or late nights or very early mornings. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, anytime that we get to celebrate a win of actually taking a real vacation and actually getting a full night of sleep, I say we celebrate it. (laughs) Absolutely. And you know, Molly, I would, I would call myself out actually on naming like the way that I look and looking tired as something that I should change. Like, let's just change how society views when, when the way that women look as we age. So let's just change that instead. I mean, it's a bit harder, but, uh, this is true. Yeah. Uh, especially as active women, a total aside that has nothing to do with today's episode, but I was getting my passport photo today and the guy kept telling me that I was too shiny, uh, and had me like patting down my face. And I realized he was just trying to make the photo come out well, but, oh my gosh, I thought I was going to cry in that Staples. So yeah, maybe we could just tone down like complaining about everything with women's appearances. One minute we're supposed to be glowing, the next minute we're too shiny. I don't know. You can't. Yeah, win. exactly. <laughs> or at least tone down, just at least change our reactions to when somebody, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like I love my aging face. Great. Exactly. So. Exactly. Um, and so before we get into today's awesome chat with Sue Amato of the Valley Ohm, who I'm going to talk about in a minute here. Uh, we did want to talk about just the Outspoken Summit. It's coming up. We're under two months out, which feels uh, impossible somehow, but mm-hmm. also like it's just hurtling towards us like an oncoming train here. So why don't you tell everybody what they can expect at it, where to, where to find out more info, all the deets. Yeah. So this year we really wanted to support small business owners in endurance sports. That was really important to us, especially coming out of COVID. We know that folks are, have struggled a little bit or that some people might be actually making a change or, or rethinking how their, what their income looks like, that that's kind of the place where a lot of people are at. And so we decided to take what was our women in triathlon leadership conference and turn it into women in endurance sports, make it more broad right? And make it more specific around some of the business skills that we need. So what we're doing this year is first of all, there's, you'll learn a ton about uh, the, the actual skills of business, like how you build social media or how you do business finance, that, those types of things. But then also we're keeping that focus also on like the leadership skills or like the, the almost like the inner journey <laughs> of leadership or of business, which I think um, is also really important because it's actually really hard, <laughs> right? So you need to have, like, you need to have those inner kind of emotional skills um, and you need a good network too, which um, also we're hoping to, like in the past, Outspoken has been a real community thing. So we're hoping to bring everyone together. It's in Tempe, Arizona, uh, November 11th to 13th. I'm super stoked. And I just want everyone who's sort of in that situation of either currently building a business or thinking of building a business or works in a business that they're actually like some of the folks that you're going to have on your podcast moving forward, like who are working in an endurance sport business who actually want to make a change within that business. Those are the people I'm really hoping will join us in Tempe this fall. Ah, so good. Okay. Where can people find out more information? What's the website? The website is outspokensummit.com. Very easy, outspokensummit.com. We can put the link in the show notes for sure. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, honestly, today's guest, Sue Amato of the Valley Home, is so representative of everything you were just talking about. Like we got into all of the skills of how she opened this physical yoga studio, but then pivoted to add digital offerings during COVID. Uh, You know, they, they were actually able to, they just started when COVID hit, like they had just opened a few months earlier and they were still able to 
pivot, but keep their community actually growing during that time, which was so amazing. And I mean, they're still doing a lot of digital now, so much so that her partner is actually moving out to California, but they're still not separating as a partnership. They're just shifting where the partner is going to do more of the digital stuff because they've grown it to that level, which is just amazing. I love that. So we talked all about how to create the in real life and the virtual community, all of the tools they're using. We got into, I know you and I have like the two, um, we'll call them like, it's the yin and the yang almost where you, you're much more onto the, the leadership and the, the more internal skills. And I'm like, yes, but what task manager do you use? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I, I love both sides, um, but I'm a little to-do list obsessed. So uh, we, we get into both sides of that in this conversation. Amazing. You can't talk to a yoga yoga studio owner without getting into the the more esoteric and the, the feeling side of things. Mm-hmm. But then also talking about yoga mat sales, because, hey, both of those two things are very important for a business working. So think this episode has a little bit of everything. I'm so excited for everyone to see it and everyone should check out, of course, OutspokenSummit.com and TheValleyOm.com. Check out Sue's website and maybe get in on some yoga classes. I even have one on there for athlete yoga. So, all right, without further ado, let's get into this conversation with Sue Amato. Sue Amato of The Valley Ohm. Welcome to the business of fitness. I'm so excited to to nerd out on some of this stuff with you today. Thanks, Molly. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm honored to have this discussion with you. And uh, yeah, let's get geeky. I'm super excited about this because you started your studio fairly recently. It's been... I'm going to say a pretty wild ride for you, um, but mm-hmm. you've always just made it look so graceful. So I'm I'm so excited about this. Um, but I do want to start, well, it looks graceful on the outside. I've, I wanted to start every episode of this with talking about expectation versus reality, because we all have that, especially with yoga, yoga studios in particular. I think every wannabe yoga teacher, myself included, has this vision of what starting a yoga studio is going to be like. And we have this magical, uh, you know, idea of us in like a beautiful, perfectly designed area. And our main focus is just sitting there and teaching these, you know, gentle classes all day and just it all just being this beautiful Zen thing. And I imagine that that is not entirely the reality. So what did you expect and what is it really like? Yeah, you're absolutely correct. Um, it's not quite that, but it is the practice in that you're kind of going back and forth between a state of feeling like totally off balance and then like finding it again. Um, so in a nutshell, I would say that for me, I, I, I don't have anything interesting to say because I was brought up. Um, I sort of like have a a gradual process into owning a studio. So it's more of a like frog in the boiling water situation for me in the best way. (laughs) Um, I love that. (laughs) But for Erin, I can say that um, she has expressed in in more than one occasion that um, she didn't expect to be, uh, have to become an IT expert. So we definitely spend a lot more time um, looking at screens than we do our yoga mats. Yeah. And what you actually just mentioned there with the kind of getting in balance as you are teaching a class, you know, having taught yoga classes before, yeah, it feels just wonderful in the moment. Uh, Then class ends and suddenly you're, you know, rushing to do registration for the next thing or post on social or all of that. I guess, how do you keep that like kind of calm through line all day without just having it where your heart rate is just constantly like spiking after these classes? Oh, I don't. I don't. It um it definitely f- fluctuates. I've been teaching for the better part of 15 years now and I still get nervous before every class and I still um have that gratification after class like we did it. They liked something about it. So, um and I think that's important to feel. Um there have been periods of time where I wasn't teaching consistently and I definitely missed that feeling. Um whether or not that's a good thing neurochemically is debatable, but um yeah, it's it's not really all that even keel and neither is life nor is the practice, right? Like 
the energy kind of rises and then it falls and, you know, there's, what are we going to do in class today? How's it going to go? And then it's like, there's rest and there's calm and there's peace. And um, it's just the reality of existing in this human body and in society with other people. And uh, it's what we practice on the mat. How do you deal with that? How do you kind of navigate it? How do you balance it gracefully? Love it. And okay, this just led me to a question I didn't actually put on this list because I was thinking about yoga studios. And now that I'm thinking about it, obviously we have to talk about when you are teaching yoga at this point in your career, are you someone who writes down the flow before class or like thinks of the flow or are you kind of in the moment and just kind of changing it up as, as you see fit or which yoga teacher uh, trope do you fall into there? Yeah, that's a good question because it is that it's a real thing. There are so many teachers that, um, you know, prepare to down to the minute, um, I'm not one of those I've done it before. And it actually made me more nervous. Like I was beholden to this, um, sort of script, um, so to speak. Um, so I'm more of like a, have a general idea of where I want to go with the class and what I want to offer and how I might be able to su successfully do that in the context of like a full rounded class. And, um, but I have like some wiggle room, how it could change or morph and depending on who comes to class, like what their needs might be and how I might be able to adjust and make sure everybody feels welcome and like they're getting something. Um, so I really, I have like more like it's more like chunks of a class that can be kind of like you can slide them here or there, or they can kind of be moved around to some degree. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how, how, how it works for me. And that's kind of how my days go too. and kind of jumping ahead if that's okay. But um, like in terms of like a daily, a daily schedule and format that doesn't exist for me and hasn't for a long time. It's more like, okay, this is a chunk where I'm going to be at the yoga studio doing X, Y, Z, this needs to get done. And then I have a chunk where I get to come home, get some laundry done, go grocery shopping. Then I have a chunk where I have to go back. There's a chunk where I have to do computer. So, and they slide around um, all day, depending on the day of the week. Ooh, okay. How do you keep all of that organized? What is your daily planner? Do you use Google calendars? Are you writing it all down? How do you, how do you keep that in your head? Um, yeah, I look ahead a lot. I have, um, I have my massage therapy schedule, my bodywork schedule um, on one sort of platform online. And so I can, I mean, I literally see it in chunks, which is why probably that works for my brain. Um, so I get to see like open gaps and things like this. Um, uh, and so the visual stays with me. And then I have like a good old fashioned like paper to-do list that um, is color coded um, so <laughs> that I can uh, make sure that I get all the tasks done. Ooh, love a color-coded list. That's fantastic. Um, okay, this is maybe like a really specific yoga teaching question, but I'm personally very curious. Um, when you first started or even to now, I, when I'm teaching, I always struggle to remember to make sure that I'm doing the same thing on my left that I did on the right, like making sure that both sides get sort of equal attention and even time, right? Because like when you start, when you're explaining one thing that's like with your right arm up, uh, then when you go to the left arm, you've already explained it. So I think it's like harder to keep the timing right on that. Do you think that's just something mm -hmm. that just comes with just so many classes that you've taught that you just kind of naturally start to remember them better and it stops being less of a, your brain is always on? Yeah, I think it is something that is like a skill, like mirroring in a yoga class that you get better at the more you do it. Um it also helps to stay connected with the practice and the folks who are there. So we have a, a ton of like devoted practitioners and guests who are at the studio, like on the daily. And so if we miss something right to left, they're going to let us know, like they'll do it or they'll just say like, Hey, we didn't do that. And um, it's welcome. It's totally um, appropriate in context. Um, the other thing, which is kind of interesting because we've moved to now this hybrid of um, offering live stream and in person at the same time, we're doing a lot more yoga on the mat while we're teaching it, which is sort of new. I was taught and I believe Aaron was taught similarly, like um, 
you do to demo when it's needed, but really you teach to the room instead of practicing on the mat. So you're watching to see what, how your cues are being interpreted and what needs to be said so that folks can kind of understand what you're asking them to do or offering for them to explore. So um, now, because there's this new visual aspect with live stream in the communication, we're doing a lot more on the mat. So we can literally feel more of like what's kind of off balance and what needs more time or less. And as you've done the uh, the adding the virtual, uh, how was that getting used to that with just trying to, you know, still talk to your class, but also be present for the, the virtual community? Because I know that balance is like super tricky. It is really tricky. You're totally right about that. Um, it's hard so our setup is not such that the camera is in the middle of like the room. So we have to like look over here to see the live stream folks and look over here to see the in-studio folks. So it's kind of like, oh no, I just got this mirroring thing down, but now who am I mirroring? Like where am I in space? Um, so um, that's a little tricky to know who you're teaching to at what time. It's eliminated a lot of like walking around the room, which was kind of eliminated with COVID scare and uh, um, social distancing. Anyway. Right, right. So it's been kind of weird getting back to that. But back to your question, um, a lot of it's communication. So we've or, or I can speak for myself, like when I go to start a class, I greet the folks online. Um, I've already greeted the people in the studio. And so it's like, you know, hey, here's what you'll need for class. Um, I make sure that they can see me. And I just let them know, like, I might not be able to see everything that you're doing really precisely, but if there's anything that you need more clarification on or kind of don't understand, unmute yourself, shout it out, wave at the screen or something, and I'm happy to break it down for you a little bit more. So there's this sort of like buffer area for to not be perfect. And, you know, we're working with an imperfect medium, but it's a resourceful one and it's been able to keep us connected. And so as long as we can all be a little bit more um, accepting of that patient with each other and, um, just stay on the same page. And, um, it, it's been really useful. I love that. And I think what that really highlights is the really strong community that you've made both in person and virtually, because I think, you know, a lot of studios that would maybe attempt to do something like that would end up like with one community feeling like they weren't being served, but it sounds like you've really found this great balance where the people in class who are there physically feel as though, you know, it's a class for them, but the people online aren't feeling like left out to just kind of watch the video. So I feel like that's, that's a really impressive thing to have done. Um, and let's maybe like back way out to sort of when you started the business, uh, you know, we wanted to talk about what the, the mission was and the initial vision of it was. So talk to us about that decision to, to go in and start this studio, you and Aaron. Yeah, so the mission of the studio is um, kind of a really simple one. And, um, you know, in setting everything up in terms of naming the classes and um, how we decided to communicate the mission, we decided as a concerted effort to keep it really simple, knowing that it's only going to get complicated because that's what happens. So we try to like start really simply and stay really simple. Um, which again, turns into more elaborate, but it's cool. So anyway, our mission was to provide good functional yoga and body work um, to folks as it supports their unique lifestyles, needs, and goals. So it's kind of broad. Um, and that's true about how we teach. Like there's a purpose to what we're offering, um, whether we're talking more broadly, like the system of yoga um, or like a specific pose, like there's a purpose and we communicate that purpose. And then we're like, here are some options you can explore based on like what you're coming in with, the story of your body and like how you feel today and what, and how much of that you need, right? Like how much of a side bend do you need? You don't need like the biggest one every day, perhaps maybe just a little like wake up is enough. And um, so, yeah, so that's our mission. And um, 
the vision is really just to help folks feel more comfortable in their bodies, to rediscover movement in their body or discover for the first time, like conscious movement. Um, and that can be as simple as or as complicated as it needs to be. As we head into summer, rest and recovery are critical for improving sports performance, reducing stress, and living a long and healthy life. We should all invest in better sleep. So think about the thing you lay your head on for eight hours a night. If it's not exactly right for you, it can lead to needless tossing and turning, or worse, have you waking up with an unrelenting kink in your neck. My new Lagoon pillow has helped me improve my sleep immensely by pairing me with the performance pillow that has everything I need. So I personally was matched with the Otter pillow, shout out to Team Otter, which I love because it has a gentle cooling effect. And I was able to choose how much stuffing I wanted in it, which is super important to me because I'm doing a decent amount of CrossFit these days and my shoulders are kind of creaky. So having a pillow that is stuffed just to the right height keeps my neck and head in exactly the right position and comfortable for the entire night. And as of fall 2023, Lagoon launched their 100% mulberry silk pillowcases. It's cool to the touch, buttery soft, and great for your skin and hair. You've got to go check out this pillowcase if you want to feel great and look great every morning. Waking up for morning workouts has never felt better. I'm refreshed and pain-free thanks to my Lagoon pillow. To check it out for yourself, go to lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance and take the two-minute sleep quiz to find your perfect pillow match and then use the code PERFORMANCE for 15% off your first purchase. That's code PERFORMANCE at lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance, whole 15% off, and the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there. Endurance sports should be accessible to everyone, right? That's why we are so excited to be partnering with Motive. Motive is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world today with thousands of amateur athletes signing up every month and a nearly perfect 4.9 star rating in the app store. You are not a template and your training plan should not be either. Prepare for running races, triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, or swim runs, however your season schedule shapes up, and get training written by some of the best coaches in the world in each discipline who know what it takes to help amateur athletes reach their goal on race day. The app takes the training written by those experts and then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. Plus, the training is fully customized to your race schedule, how much you can train each week, your current abilities, and the goals you want to achieve in your race. You can use the app for free as long as you want or get all the upgraded features from the app for just $19.99 a month. But as a feisty listener, you can sign up at mymotive.com and use the code FEISTY for two months of full premium access. That's right, you get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. So head over to mymotive.com, M-Y-M-O-T-T-I-V.com and use the code FEISTY, F-E-I-S-T-Y. And on a personal note, I know the founder of Motive and he is driven to make triathlon and all endurance sports more accessible for the athletes who care about their performance, but who aren't quite ready for a full-time personal coach. If that sounds like you, definitely try the app for two months for free. You literally have nothing to lose. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are so excited to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. 
Hedas unlocks the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research, creates better shoes for women that support their longevity and performance, and establishes new design standards to promote transparency in a male-biased industry. Hedas have a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and to allow for female toe shape, a special kind of plate in the midsole to keep tired legs going, a narrow heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take the pressure off our Achilles, and a rounded instep to create a snug fit. Hedas has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've personally been running in the Alma Cruise and I love them. It's the shoe I always wanted and never knew I needed. The fit is perfect in every way. You can get your own pair of Hedas at Hedas.com and use the code FEISTY20 for 20% off. That's FEISTY20 at Hedas.com and it will all be in the show notes. Okay, you and Aaron went into this together. That is a terrifying thing. Uh, how did the discussions before you guys agreed to start looking for a place, how did that go? Because that's a big leap to make no matter how good. Actually, I was going to say no matter how good of friends you are, but I think actually the closer you are as friends, the scarier this actually is. You're totally right, Molly. And here's why. I um, have had a couple traumatizing um, experiences with business partners in the past or even just business relationships in the past. So um, when Aaron started getting excited about the idea of opening a studio together, I was like not into it, mainly because I didn't want to jeopardize our friendship. Up until that point, I hadn't known anything but like this is going to end badly. So I was not very excited about it. I really kind of like hemmed and hauled about agreeing to the whole idea. So when we came finally to the decision to go for it, we were really nitty gritty about our partnership agreement. So we have things on our partnership agreement that are so ridiculous and so embarrassing to like present to a lawyer, but. Okay. You have to give us an example. You have to give us one. (laughs) So on our list is, um, monthly bike rides. Oh, I love it. I know. Cause it's the basis of our friendship. I mean, that's how we met. We met through bikes and we spent probably more. Well, maybe not now that we've spent time in the studio working together, but up until that point, we spent more time probably on our bikes together than anywhere else. And it's a considerable amount. So it was really important to us. Um, and while we haven't maybe been able to maintain that exact clause, the sentiment is there. Oftentimes, like, you know, we we think really differently. We see things really differently. Usually that comes together in the most perfect of ways. Um, sometimes not. And, um, you know, I'd like to think she would think the same way. I can't speak for her, but I can say for myself, like when it comes down to it and we've got some friction on a decision, I think it's not worth the friendship to like be stubborn about a thing that's going to work out either way. So I'm, I'm more interested in like having my pal and, Mm -hmm. you know, enjoying life together. I love that. But it sounds like you put a lot of time in beforehand, kind of almost figuring out how those decisions almost would be made sort of setting up some guardrails for the decisions. I know you had mentioned uh, when we were emailing back and forth, some agreed upon deal breakers and how (laughs) that actually helped inform decisions. So can you give us maybe a couple examples of that? Yeah. So I think just what I was meaning about like coming down to, it's not worth kind of breaking up our relationship. Um, That's absolutely a deal breaker. Um, And what else specifically? I don't know if I have any specifics. Which is probably a good thing. It means that you've had like a couple of pretty smooth years with uh, you mostly agreeing on uh, some of the stuff or all the major stuff. Um, Yeah. And I will say too, we ask that of our team as well. Like um, we ask them to really, our team of teachers I'm speaking of, we, um, we ask them really to like be part of the mission of the studio, not just teachers who like fly in, you know, do the class and then like fly out. Like we 
we want them to get to know the guests that they're serving and have an understanding and be part of, like we do a lot of community kind of work um, within the studio and with the larger community of Easton and the Lehigh Valley. Um, and so we often ask our team of teachers to be part of that to a degree that's reasonable um, for their circumstances or their interests at that time. And in exchange, we take a lot of interest in them. We came into the business, both having played kind of all the roles in the yoga industry from like, again, just kind of an independent teacher that flies in, flies out to like managing. And we've had a lot of different experiences um, in different studio environments. And so we found that it was really important to be collaborative with um, our individuals on the team and know what gets them excited, know where they want to go with their education in yoga and support that. So we, from the get, wanted to be able to offer to them like financial support for any continuing education that they've wanted to go through. It's been a little bit weird because COVID kind of came in nine months into our our um, existence. So it got a little bit derailed. We were able to offer like reimbursement for some education that folks sought on their own. And now coming up, actually this, well, September, coming up in September, most of our team is actually embarking on a yin yoga, a myo yin yoga teacher training that's going to be remote. And we're like fully funding the whole gig for almost all of our teachers. And we're just so stoked to be able to offer that to them. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so, so restful and relaxing sounding. I love it. <laughs> yeah. um, so as I'm thinking about this, owning a studio is obviously very different than being a yoga teacher. Um, but do you feel like it actually helps you own the studio to maintain the teaching side of it? Cause I think it would be very easy to just go full, you know, I own the studio. I'm very busy doing that, but I think it actually is really important that you're continuing to teach. Yeah, you're totally right about that. And it's, again, it kind of changes the pace of things. So in owning the studio, it's like we're working months out, like way ahead of time. And yoga is so much about like being in the present. It's sometimes hard to switch gears from like, oh, but I'm working on this like project that's out here. It needs my attention. I'm, I'm in the flow of it. Like, let me stay here. But I have to teach class at 9.15. So it's like tricky to then like have to get present and realize like, okay, today's Tuesday it's raining out. Like, what do we need? What does the room feel like? Who's coming to class? What do they need? What's the present asking for? So yeah, but, but in that way, it brings you back to, oh yeah, this is the whole point. This is the whole reason we're here is so that folks can come be in this like welcoming and safe environment and like do what they need to go do their Tuesday better. Like, Sure, we'll talk about like their December. That'll be great too when we get to it. But like they're in their Tuesday and we need to show up for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, you just kind of mentioned one of the, the key things here. You opened not that long before COVID just shut everything down. And I think what I'm so impressed about is I think the the easy thing would have been like, well, we tried and just kind of throw in the towel. But you managed to get virtual offerings up and running super, super quick. So could you just maybe speak a little bit about how you managed that pivot and uh, what maybe some of the issues you were uh, that you ran into were and just how you managed to get that off the ground so quick and so well? Sure, thanks. Yeah, we kind of didn't notice that we were doing something that was um, like, like new or that everybody else was not doing because really our interest was just staying connected to our folks and we were in communication like what do we do how do they do yoga like again we have people who come every day and not just because they're trying to get like abs and arms and whatever they're coming because they're managing their mental health and they're managing stress and now they're managing a friggin pandemic like this is the time where we need to, to remind them to breathe and just like settle in. It's going to be like, we're going to get through this. We can't guarantee anything, but here's what we can offer you. So the way we did that was simply by YouTube. I mean, it's a free resource that we had access to. We hadn't really leveraged it. I don't think at all at the time. So we just started like 
we were able to keep um, bringing teachers in and getting them to record like long classes, little classes, different focuses. And um, so we just stockpiled a bunch of that footage and um, started releasing it as we needed to. We had resources to do that in terms of like equipment because we did a couple events that were, um, you know, like silent disco, those headphones with the, um, they play different stations. Oh, yeah. Heard of so there's a woman in our area who owns a bunch because she does these silent disco events. So we were like, this is so cool. Let's do like a silent yoga thing. So that required us to figure out like a microphone that would go through the um, transmitter that hooked up to the headphones and like all of this business. But, you know, like it's too fun to not like figure it out and go for it. So we had like the transmitter and the and the wireless microphone, which was great because then we could use that for the recordings. And we knew a little bit more about it because a friend of ours and um, a fellow who comes to the studio is a terrific DJ. Actually, he just got the award of best DJ in the Lehigh Valley this year. Um, nice. So he. <laughs> yeah. So he would come to the studio as well and do like DJ classes. Um, and those would go through the headphones too. And uh, so, yeah, we had like a little bit of equipment. We were like, I don't know. It's a good thing we have this mic, this, this Madonna mic. So um, yeah, we just kind of cobbled stuff together and, um, and, and it worked. And then to our software's credit, they really had live stream um, available before some of the other software companies did. So we really can't take any credit for that. They were hooked up right through Zoom. Um, nice. Okay, wait, so I have to ask, which software that. are you using? At the time, we were using um, a company called Vagaro. Um, now we're using a company called Walla. Aaron exhaustively researches um, software and anything she's interested in, frankly. Um, but she spent, <laughs> it's, it's one of her virtues. It's terrific. Um, so she spent months looking for um, a software we needed to change for consumer ease. And um, we found, well, Erin found Walla and she did all of her research and communicated with the company about what they could offer and what our needs were. I mean, very specific. And so um, we made the switch. It went really well. And Erin is constantly like on the phone and in communication about how to refine and um, and make better for our needs, um, the offering. And Walla has been terrific in terms of really seeing and hearing um, what we do and what our needs are and considering and implementing all of them, which has been terrific as they continue to grow. Um, I believe they're kind of like a young company. So they're still developing some features, including the appointment side of things, which is why we do still use Vagaro for massage therapy appointments, but they're like minutes away from offering the appointment side of things. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been great. Nice. And I think that just kind of highlights this important thing of like, not necessarily just staying with like the one thing because you've been using it and keeping your, your you know, ears to the ground for, for what new stuff is, is coming out and is it going to serve you better? Although not trying new stuff for new stuff's sake. It sounds like Erin yeah. really did her homework. Oh yeah. I mean, she is an excellent researcher. It's really impressive. And, you know, she doesn't just do the research and say like, okay, this is the one, here we go. Let's just use it she um, continues to like notice what can be improved upon and in a, in a, you know, a kind way, like communicates our needs and asks for what she wants. And um, they work with us. We usually get it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's the virtual side, the physical side. Was this the first like physical yoga studio that you had ever opened? Like, I know you've been part of others in the past, but was this your first like opening? No, it wasn't my first opening. Um, prior to the Valley Ohm, I owned, I co-owned another yoga studio in a neighboring township, um, which was also su successful and like a wild and fun ride. I had a, a blast. The feeling of the studio was really different and the partnership was really different too. And uh, frankly, I was really different in as a person and in engaging with the studio, I think a lot of times 
yoga teachers and yoga enthusiasts are like, I don't know, I'm just like, get the keys and light some incense and we'll have classes. It'll be great. And it's just so much more complicated than that to make it profitable, to make it sustainable and not just as the owner, but as, but for um, the teachers who you ask to come and support you, right? There's got to be a sound infrastructure for them to come and offer their education and, and, and give of their time. I mean, they're getting paid, but still it's a lot of time and to build a community. I mean, it would be heartbreaking if like this thing really boomed and people got a lot from it. And then suddenly like for logistical reasons, it can't go on. So yeah, Aaron's been crucial in keeping all of that sound and creating the structure for it to be built upon. Yeah. And I have to ask, I mean, building wise, like when you got in, how did you decide what the the aesthetic vibe of the studio was going to be? Because it is such a just beautiful studio um, and it's it's very like relaxing feeling from from everything that I've seen and just has such a good, good feeling to it. And I mean, you did end up adding retail to it as well, which is another decision for the physical space. So talk to us yeah. just about the, the design process and what that looked like and, you know, how you decided to also then add the retail in. Sure. Yeah. Um, the space, uh, so we're in the silk mill in Easton. So the space kind of has this industrial, like warehousey historical feel, which was really important for us to maintain and also just like downright cool. So like, Oh, it's so cool. When I was looking uh, back when I lived in that vicinity, I remember looking at like apartments that were in those because Easton oh, yeah. is rife with old mills, the Holy High Valley That's is. It. And I remember like that was what I wanted was like living in one of those conversions. So it is just such a just amazing yeah, vibe naturally. <laughs> yeah. And we respect the industry that was there and the history that um, it holds in Easton. And so it was really important for us to maintain as much of that as we could um, while making it function for our needs. So it really wasn't that difficult, to be honest with you my husband would probably tell you differently since he did all the work, but, um, the walls in the studio, like are as they were other than the one mural that we put up, but yeah, so it's like chipped paint and has that kind of like rustic feel. We laid down, um, a flooring. So we leveled the floor just because that needed to happen and then put down a recycled rubber flooring that functions really, really well for us and gives you, it's like, it's so grounding. It's so solid and like earthy. And even with all the brick around in the four walls of the studio itself, but the ceilings are really super duper high. And we have like plenty of natural light from skylights up at the top. So while you're really insulated and grounded, which is great for the temperature too, there's still this feeling of like lightness and space that's included. Um, so we just did some refining in terms of putting up some like sills and some trim and things like that to make it a little bit more cozy and um, just, you know, like hold our props better, things like that. And then we built a couple walls to include massage therapy. I do massage therapy, of course. So um, I have my little room there. And then um, another adaptation we went through through COVID is um, we have another little room that we used to use as a massage therapy treatment room. But it seems to be functioning a lot better now as sort of like a yoga locker room. We call it a concierge room. So some of our memberships have the option of storing personal items at the studio. So they have like bins with their little names on them and um, there's space for their mat to be stored there and any items they want, like their blocks and things. Through COVID, we sold off all of our props because people were practicing at home. So they needed their supplies there. And then when they started coming back into the studio, they're like, hauling all of their stuff. It's like so cumbersome. So we were like, oh, ding. why don't we offer some space because we have some space. So yeah, that was kind of a cool, a cool progression from, from the pandemic as well. We're coming back from it. And even that, like what a smart idea of, okay, everyone's practicing at home. They're going to need the stuff. We're not going to be able to have classes here for a while. We might like the stuff might as well be in people's hands. Yeah, exactly. Such a good solution. 
yeah, it's worked out well. And um, if you want me to go into the retail, yes, very much. Pretty well. So I um, was for a while a Lululemon store ambassador. So that gave us the opportunity to offer studio essentials, Lululemon studio essentials. So we went into an agreement with them, a contract with them to offer like mats and, and straps and things like this. The mats were doing pretty well. And then Erin had this genius idea. She, you know, is historically in the bike world. So um, she suggested doing like a mat demo day. So we bought a whole fleet of brand new, just standard Lululemon mats. And we rolled them all out. And when people came to class, we were like, try a mat. You don't have to. You can roll up your own and uh, or roll it up and use your own if you want to. But, you know, these are mats that we love. And we just want you for free to, like, try them out if you want to. And, of course, people fell in love with them and decided to buy. And now they sell, like, hotcakes. And we still – and we have a really beautiful – fleet of rental mats for folks to use when they come in and need a mat instead of like just some like rando that's been you know used for too long we keep them really nice and fresh and high quality um so anyway we were so successful in selling mats and studio essentials that uh, we were invited to to offer apparel through lululemon and so that's something that we're just newly embarking on but it's not, it's not typically, come to find out, it's not typically an area where yoga studios flourish or spend a whole lot of time. And I can see why. I mean, it feels very much like a separate business. Um, it does require a good amount of attention, um, merchandising in the studio, inventory, all of the things. But we have found it to be really worthwhile and supportive. Again, like going back to like the vision and the mission, like, how can people function better in their lives? They can function better in on their mat as well. Like the proper pants. I know it sounds ridiculous, but like you don't want to be bothered with a rolling waistband the whole time. That is really distracting or a mat where you're slipping and sliding. And so, you know, these are brands and items that we live by and just love and we use and have found to be functionally supportive. And so um, we can easily speak to their value. Um, for the practice to our people. I love that. And I've seen a couple yoga studios do retail so well. I've also seen a couple do it very poorly, uh, where it's just kind of sure. like jammed in a corner and just kind of like out of sight. So you so would, fair. you'd have to like awkwardly like be pawing through it. Uh, yeah. So how I, it's kind of hard to describe by a voice, but like, what does your setup look like? Like, what does the whole, what is the whole feel of when someone comes in for a yoga class? Mm -hmm. So, um, when folks come in, they're immediately in sort of just an open space where, um, the front desk is. Um, so we see them as soon as they walk in, say, hi, how are you? Always greeted by name. If we know them, which we usually do. And then there, that space is also the retail space, but it's sort of, it's around, it's, it's easily accessible and easy to see without like being kind of forceful and, and in their face. Um, well, that's it, then, right? When the retail space is right next to where the greeter is, you kind of feel really awkward, like looking at things when the person is yes. standing like two feet from you, you're like, oh, geez. <laughs> I know, I know. I know. It's awkward. So I hope our folks don't feel that way. Um, and if they do, I apologize. But <laughs> Um, so from there, um, if it's a new uh, guest to the studio, we would absolutely introduce ourselves and, you know, learn their name and maybe ask where they heard about us um, just to get a sense. Um, most people pre-register, which is really helpful, which is born of um, COVID procedure too. So then we just orient them. We feel it's really important to, to make the space comfortable and feel safe. Like, just having predictability, knowing where everything is, 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 um, should not be overestimated, the underestimated, that's the word, underestimated. So we let them know, like, here's where the shoes go. Here's the yoga space. Here's why these silly little cones are laid out. There's where the bathroom is. That's important. Here's the front of the room. Here's how you orient your mat, like things that maybe 
if you've been practicing for a while and have gone to different studios, you might take for granted or just like feel out naturally or not be worried about making a mistake about, but we don't want to assume that about anybody. We want to make sure like, no, like we see you, we want you to feel like this is a safe space for you to do your thing. And um, yeah, here's what to expect. So good. And I think what I love as we're talking through this whole conversation is this thing that you're, it seems like you're really always innovating with the studio from when it opened, you know, to adding the virtual now adding retail. I know you're constantly not just doing the regular classes. There are always like workshops and other fun stuff going on. Um, so even maybe talk about the workshops for a second too, because that to me is like such an interesting element that not a lot of studios that I know like do on the regular. Yeah, there was quite a period of time where workshops and teacher trainings, especially in our area in Pennsylvania and Lehigh Valley, um, were like all the rage and like really filled up and um, people had a lot of time and money to spend on them. And it was it was a blast. I'm going to be honest with you. I had a really good time. Um, but it's it doesn't seem to quite be that way around here um, at the moment, which is fine. We also have a lot of yoga teachers, so there's not as much need for that, perhaps. So what we decided to do in lieu of like workshops and trainings at the studio is um, sort of add a tier in between classes and workshops that we call specialty classes. Because at the time, workshops, again, were like, getting expensive for good reason. We had a lot of really big names coming to the area and it's a lot of knowledge that they're sharing with us. So I don't, you know, I totally value that, but it was prohibitive for like a consistent yogi who just wants to like learn a little bit more, maybe doesn't teach or isn't interested in teaching, but just wants to have a little bit more of an in-depth experience. So that's what these specialty classes are. They're moderately priced. Um, so they're easier for folks to just kind of like add on and hop into. Um, they're a little bit longer in time. So it's not a huge ask. We're not asking for half a day usually or a day or a weekend or anything like this, maybe just like a few hours or an hour and a half as class times have gotten smaller, have gotten shorter. And it allows the yoga teacher to make a little bit more money too. Um, we have found that the price of regular yoga was not quite up to the level where we wanted it to be, especially considering the amount of education, time, and knowledge that yoga teachers are expected to have these days. I mean, it's ever increasing and it's, it's, it's a lot. And to make a few dollars. And I know a lot of people are doing this as like, just as a hobby or like a side hustle or something like this, but a lot of us aren't. And um, so, yeah. And regardless of whatever the financial situation is, it's an exchange of energy and it just didn't feel equal to us. And so that's what those specialty classes are about for us. And they pop up from time to time. We have a couple regulars that happen monthly that people really rely on and love consistently sign up for ahead of time. They're really successful for us. And then we throw in some, some other ones like from time to time when like a teacher gets really inspired by something or there's a shift in the um, sort of energetic landscape or the season or whatever. And we just want to play around with some ideas. Now you could spend uh, all of your time in the business between teaching and thinking of new stuff and, you know, just all of the, the management that goes into this. Um, yeah. But you know, you're, you're still active. I know you and Aaron don't get out for your monthly bike rides every single month, but I, I know you still like riding bikes. So how totally. do you still make time for training and racing? And I mean, I guess even your own yoga practice. Yeah, it's really, really hard. Um, because you're totally right. Like there is no time off almost unless you take it. We're constantly, even at home, like there's always something to do. Um, and we've come to a place where we realize now that even though that's the case, we don't always have to do something like it's okay. It's going to work. So we prioritize it. Right. And we respect it. Like I have to prioritize my needs, my personal needs and respect that boundary. And I do the same for her. So like, if there's something that she's, she just did Leadville, the Leadville 100. 
my gosh, amongst yeah. like Holy the business <laughs> and a move across the country. I mean, no big, <laughs> no big deal. Just like I'll throw it in there. But you know, she prioritized her needs in that. And when she was not able to answer emails or something like this because she was doing a big training block, like. I totally respect that. I understand. And um, it's cool by me. So same thing. Um, I don't, I have to not feel bad. It's still a work in progress. I have to not feel bad about taking those bits of time for the balance that I need from in work life because it's there, there's barely any separation. Yeah, there really isn't separation at all. Just kind of... <laughs> blends into each other for sure. And I mean, I think there's, there's also, you know, what I've been saying with women in the fitness industry, I think there is this, uh, implication that because we're in the fitness industry, there is like a certain standard of fitness that we feel, uh, almost mm. obligated to maintain to a certain extent, which is generally speaking, I don't think a terrible thing because it keeps us at least active and healthy and like remembering to yeah. prioritize it, but it definitely is in my, in my brain anyway, it is kind of an obligation. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting insight and you're right about that. There is a standard that we have to keep, but I think there's like the real life recognition that it's going to shift and it's going to shift because of a lot of different reasons. Again, priorities regarding family, time, life, health, and age, age is huge. And I know for me, it's, it's, I feel my body changing and, um, I have to decide whether I want to pretend it's not happening and, you know, continue to beat myself up. Or if I want to shift the focus of my offerings along with what's resonating with me personally. Which I think when we do that, it typically ends up resonating with our community anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, last thing before I ask you where we can find you, obviously, is just uh, if you had like one piece of advice for a woman who, you know, sees sees something like the Ballyome and is like, I want this. I want to have my own studio. Advice, words of wisdom or warning, whichever. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you got? Um, so I would say... Um, I would say if you're working with other people, particularly other women, trust them and like support each other. Like if you've got your lane and they've got their lane, stay in your lane, check in, but stay in your lane, but trust each other. Um, trust each other as people. Maybe don't think about it as, um, yeah, trust each other as people. That's where I'm going to stop with that. I love that. Um, and the other thing I would say, particularly for women, is like, don't be afraid to compete. Like, it's business. Um, and especially, it's interesting in the yoga business, too, because not only are we women in business, and there's an implication about that, um, but then yoga is meant to be all heart and emotions. And it is, it very much is, but it's also a business. And we want to, again, be around for the folks who need this practice. And in order to do so, we, we need to know what's going on and be strategic sometimes. And uh, that's okay. Oh, so, so good. Okay. Where can everyone find you, find the Valium, follow along and take some virtual classes even see what, see what you guys have going on. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. Um, so our website is simply the Um, you can find us on socials, uh, as the Valium and me personally, I'm on Instagram as Sue tomato. Um, but you can find me through uh, the website and everything too. Perfect. Oh, thank you so much, Sue. This was so much fun to, to really dig into all of these different topics with you. And thank I've got to get in for one of these specialty classes yeah. soon. <laughs> Please do. Yes. Oh, was that not just the best conversation? I know it made me start Googling uh, where I could rent studio space in my area and start getting back to teaching some more in real life classes. Uh, she definitely uh, really shows kind of the two sides of that whole yoga thing where it's not all about just the business life, you know, it's it's not just the businessy stuff, 
right? It's not spreadsheets and bottom lines and all that. There's also the, the whole yoga and kind of, we'll say more Zen element of it, but you can't have one without the other. So I really appreciate her kind of getting honest about bringing those two things together. And a couple of key takeaways before I let you go. Uh, I really love that this studio is just always innovating. The Matt Demo Day, sort of taking what Aaron knows from the cycling industry and doing that demo day. A lot of bike companies, bike shops do these demos so people can ride the new models of bikes. Doing a Matt Demo Day, brilliant. So smart. So really thinking, leaning into that innovation, whether it's adding that retail element, uh, setting up that YouTube channel, all of that, just constantly kind of thinking, what can we do differently? Uh, I also really love that they're also willing on the note of innovation to switch softwares when their current software was no longer serving them. I think we get stuck in patterns where we're using the same old tools that are maybe not as good for us uh, as we'd like them to be. So I don't think it's worth uh, always, always changing it up every month or two, but definitely if you've been using something for a few years and it's just gotten worse and worse, uh, look into what might be better for you. And of course, I really, really love that this whole idea of creating that vision before you ever sign any papers, open anything, you know, sign a lease, all that kind of stuff. Having that vision and the mission behind what you want to do, especially if you're going to business with someone else, getting super, super clear on that. I love the whole thing about getting into the business together, having that contract that really listed out some of the business stuff, but also a bit of the friendship stuff. I think that really matters, and I think that makes for a really strong business partnership. So just some great stuff to think about. And again, if you love this episode, if you want to hear more from the business of fitness, definitely let us know either wherever you're listening to this podcast or head over to Instagram, head over to Feisty Media's website. Uh, just keep us keep us posted. Let us know what kind of business uh, in the fitness industry industry you want to hear from next. And of course, you can follow me over at Molly J. Herford on Instagram or head to consummateathlete.com to check out my website. All right, we'll see you soon.